then again, I, I have to stress, this is not a discussion about uh, companies not being profitable. It's a discussion about including the human factor, including the uh, sustainability, the resilience into the profi profitability equation. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. And we believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma. And as always, I want to have conversations with real people and hear about real passions and businesses and practices. And today I have the executive director of AKFI, which is Actionable Knowledge Foundational Institute, a nonprofit bridging the divide between digital transformation and ESG. Uh, he's also a facilitator instructor at Cornell for sustainability, digital transformation, innovation, and 5G. Please welcome to the show, Manuel Vexler. How's it going, Manuel? Uh, going fine, Jeff, and very glad to be on the show and uh, looking forward to uh, solve some some issues of uh, uh, how we connect, how we connect purpose, how we connect love, how we connect businesses that really care about people. Yeah, and my, my favorite type of episode is when it's not immediately apparent how this is all going to tie together because it might not be right on its surface, digital transformation or sustainability and all these things very specific in your field. And over here, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in love and culture and all these other things. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to have this talk. Very excited too. And really, uh, if we start with sustainability, uh, sustainability has uh, uh, what we call it sometimes the triple bottom line. So profits were always the focus of enterprises, and I don't think we need to bring this forward today. The other two parts are social, uh, the stakeholders in particular, not only the shareholders, which are looking after profitability, uh, but the stakeholders, which include actually the community, include the employees, include the, the um, uh, impact on on the uh, society in general and uh, the uh, environmental which is also a very uh, important topic today so if we focus on social actually uh, it is very interesting to see that um, uh, very recently, actually, we had a, uh, a, a very interesting experience at uh, AKFI, the Actionable Knowledge Foundational Institute, as uh, we were talking about sustainability. And the inventor of Industry 5.0, which very few people heard about it, uh, came and said, uh, we are really interested to talk with you. And we did a, we did a talk show together. Uh, and the industry 5.0, it's human-centric. So when I started to look at the, the book, uh, is it very clear that the humanity has to take back the central uh, role? 
What I'm saying is the following. Industry 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, they were technology driven. The steam engine, the electricity, the computer, and eventually artificial intelligence, IoT, and all these beautiful technologies, metaverse coming up soon. All these technologies are technology centric. Mm -hmm. Humans are using them and they benefit some benefit actually and some don't act uh, as, as this technology create also big social displacements mm -hmm. but now the board of directors the uh, 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 the c-suite the the executives have to reconsider how they look at their business and they have to go back to the human-centric model and to an environmental-centric model that's, that's, I have about 20,000 questions in my head already ready for you, <laughs> but I want to, but I want to make sure I want to, I want to get through a couple of things. I want to do it the right way. So a couple of things I want to do, I want to hear more about you first and I'll get to that. And then I also want to help the audience define a couple of terms by your definition, just so that we could all be on the same page. And then I want to come back to all this sustainability and industry five, five all this stuff. So so if you don't mind, I'd love to first make sure we get you personally, Manuel, where, what's, what's your story and where does your passion come from? Um, sure. Uh, first, my, my story, uh, as you opened the, in the opening remarks, I, uh, I'm very focused on two activities. One is related to university. It's related to adult education to continuing education uh, in the space of uh, new technologies and sustainability. New technologies are things like 5G, IoT, artificial intelligence, uh, sustainability, it's about uh, um, ESG, it's about creating new business models uh, that mix technologies with environmental and social. So this is me. Uh, my passion comes, uh, if, I, if I go really deep in, in my personal history, I'm a different engineer. I uh, started um, uh, and, and I worked uh, my career in engineering. However, first thing, I'm a medical engineer. I'm a biomedical. Uh, humans were all always in, in my focus. And uh, in the first year of university, I decided, I wanted actually to quit and go to medical school. So really uh, human, it's, it's something that I'm passionate about from let's say day one. Mm. And as I work in corporations, I uh, major corporations, I really realized that uh, it's much easier to manage technologies. It's much easier to build technologies that it's really to put the human in, in the center, to think from the perspective uh, of uh, people, the perspective of the employees, the perspective of the shareholders. So this is my story. This is uh, from day one and, and on. Um, going to some definitions as we wanted to, to mention, I'll mention terms like sustainability and uh, sustainability, it's a very 
broad term uh, we can put uh, we can spend the rest of the day adding adjectives to sustainability sustainable business sustainable agriculture sustainable humanity and so on but really sustainability from a corporate viewpoint from a board of directors viewpoint has to center on three uh, what we call it the triple bottom line on three uh, very important and equal uh, functions of the enterprise today. And these functions are social, are, uh, uh, are also uh, environmental, and of course are economic. Enterprises are economic, uh, uh, human enterprises are economic factors from day one. And uh, for 50 years since uh, Milton Friedman stated the, the uh, unique purpose of enterprise is to serve shareholders, the shareholder primacy, so-called. Uh, that was the only guidance for a board of directors. Their fiduciary responsibility, their personal responsibility was toward the investors. That changed, changed in the last 10 years. And this is about sustainability. So today, when I'm using sustainability, I'm using the definition of the triple bottom line. The other one we need to go through is the definition of ESG. Mm -hmm. And ESG, as many of, of the listeners, I'm sure they know, it's about environmental, social, and governance. So now if we put together the two, we can see a much more complete picture of the enterprise and how the enterprise can act socially, how the governance can act. So this is, uh, I'll go back to ESG in a second. I, I'd like to add the third element, which is digital transformation. And there is a lot of confusion between digitalization, the process of using digital technologies and digital transformation because digital transformation is business model transformation. It is social, you have to retrain your, reskill your employees and you impact the, the environment around you. Uh, and it is, uh, it is of course, uh, uh, the technology, right? We talk about artificial intelligence, IOT, flying drones, uh, self-driving cars and so on. So we have three definitions now, sustainability, ESG and digital transformation. When we look at ESG, I want to dwell a little bit more into it. And we have an outside view toward the enterprise, how the world looks at ESG. And that's uh, primarily investors and uh, insurance companies, right? Which are looking at ESG as a measurement of how well the um, companies prepare for survivability, is prepared for longevity, is prepared for re resilience. So it's a measurement of resilience if you want in a simple way, right? Mm -hmm. Lower risk, better governance, better care of the environment, better relations with the uh, ecosystem, the stakeholders. On the other hand, if you look from inside out, it's a uh, uh, how to do if you want, for the boards of directors and for the uh, executives, how to behave socially with their company, how to behave toward uh, employees, diversity, uh, diversity in the board of directors, diversity in the enterprise, uh, and how to behave. Uh, so it is a code 
for uh, a better business. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think the book comes in because love, love of understanding of humanity, uh, it's it's uh, becoming a unavoidable um, area for the boards of directors and and uh, for the executives to consider. It cannot be left behind. Some companies try today to do something which is called greenwashing. Uh, sooner or later, this will stop. One of the reasons is uh, 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 regulators are getting now on the case of companies doing greenwashing. Security and Exchange Commission, for instance, it's uh, looking at uh, disclosing greenhouse gases by companies. So ESG, it's both a look from outside the how the investments flow toward these companies that are better managed and, uh, and more environmentally conscious. And of course, how they manage their employees, the relationship with their customers. And from inside out, how the, uh, I, I'm hesitant to use the word behavior, but really how executives have to behave. It's a behavior, it's a code of behavior, a code of good behavior. Oh, I'm not hesitant to use that word at all. And I think (laughs) that's one of my favorite (laughs) words. I'm glad you went there. Um, Obviously, from from my perspective, from love as a business strategy, um, I'm starting to see the connective tissue. And and it's really interesting to think about ESG and sustainability from both of those outside in and inside out perspectives, um, because we we kind of don't go into that that space of of you know the, the the actual policies, the actual governance of those things. But what I what I do see is what where we talk about just resilience, and I think resilience is in our kind of the subtitle of the book, um, and it's also something that we talk about quite a bit um, when it comes to um, being able to tie your behaviors to the actual business outcomes that that every business should be looking at. And when we say resilience, we really come at it from a high-performing team perspective. But if you think of a business as nothing more than a large high-performing team or, 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 or a combination of many high-performing teams, you come to the realization that um, uh, it, it is all connected. The resilience needs to be there from a people and behavior standpoint um, in order to be successful in the process changes and the tool changes and the and the digital transformation that many companies seek. And so I, I hear I hear all the things like all the things that you've just defined for us are things that I've seen um, many businesses try to tackle without regard for the people element, whether you call it love or just culture, um, but also more specifically resilience and sustainability from the from the social side. Um, and then you you face challenges, right? You face um, you, you're not able to actually succeed. Absolutely. Um, uh, if we think of maximization and what companies were doing in the past was to maximize the profitability in the short term, mm-hmm. to, to the point of companies even you know crossing the legal limit and ending with fraud, mm-hmm. but trying to really focus only on a single um element which is short-term profitability yeah and if you take a short-term profitability approach 
Of course, you don't care about your employees. You don't care about your assets, hard assets, right? You push your machines to the limit. You don't maintain them because it's costly. And the same with humans, right? But if you want resilience, uh, and if you want to pick winners in the resilience, you have to look at what I, I define as the uh, um, digital transformation, for instance, which is the latest transformation process. And the transformation process, as I define it, is not solely technology. 70 to 80% of companies fail because they introduce technology and they say, okay, now I bought cloud uh, and I cannot pay back my investment because I didn't train my people. I didn't inform them. Uh, people are concerned about their jobs. People feel uh, uh, you know, a second-class citizen in the company because the machine takes over. AI is it's more right than you. Uh, so, so of course, uh, the resilience goes down in, in, this, in this process. Yes. So people are not brought on board uh new business models are sort of dumped on the company and uh platform business models i'm sure you, your company is very much into that um automation but it doesn't look at the human aspect how you retrain your how you reskill your people how how you use them for more fulfilling jobs many people hate to do data entry i'm one of them <laughs> just you know entering data on a form this is not a human job but if nobody tells me and i'm a data entry uh person uh i'll i'll really be scared about my mortgage and my loans yeah and <laughs> for for me underlying underpinning all of that is also that any type of major change that you're trying to go through requires a certain amount of trust and relationship amongst the people who are going through it together. And I think too many, too many times, even if a lot of businesses have considered themselves successful in, in their planning, when they say, okay, we want to take on this new digital transformation. So, you know, we're going to go agile and we're going to bring in trainers for the right process. And we're going to bring in all the best kind of kind of preparation in terms of, and that's great, and the, and it's all there, and because I think they're thinking of the people because they're they're trying to get people like people prepared, um, but they kind of miss out that a lot of the people are are still wondering why or what's in it for me, or just don't trust their boss. You know, they just don't trust the organization, sure. the people around them. And I think when you don't have those core pieces, all those other things kind of fall flat because people aren't listening. People aren't actually bought into this change and, and no amount of process is actually going to fix that. Absolutely. I, I'll, I'll touch on two points. One clear example, it's MNAs, mergers and acquisitions. And this is an extreme example because especially companies during an M&A process, uh, and I was involved at Cisco in M&As, they started with a very, very small group. There are regulatory, uh, there are legal implications when you start this process, you cannot involve the whole company. Mm -hmm. So the trust in the executives doing this process ha has to be 
very large. And the ability of these executives to come out and communicate and explain why this was done in secrecy, not just say, okay, from tomorrow you, you have a Cisco badge or, or a Microsoft badge or a Amazon badge. That, that, that's not enough. It's not answering any question. This is a process, right? You, you have a different batch. So, so MNA is one clear example of that. Uh, but com in any um, manual, in any book, in any article, you find out, and uh, we have problems with communications. And where the problems with communication starts is with an open door, with trust. If you don't trust what I'm saying, if you don't think that I'm Manuel Wexler, um, there, there's no human relationship between us. Yeah, I may be an avatar, I may be somebody else. Yeah, and, and I think too often um, communication efforts about these big rollouts are so focused on like the content. And in some cases, they're being completely transparent. They're being completely honest to be to, to, in like the factual kind of things they're sharing sure. is, is real. And yet um, what you see is that it's how you communicate it. It's how you connect. It's the, with the human people. is the human is this trust element, which it doesn't come from a fact sheet or from a, from a, um, expense, not an expense, a financial report, you know, we did fantastic. We uh, improve our ROI by 5% and this and that. You guys are great. Is this a right communication for a human? Yeah. How many people really care about the finance? They care more about knowing they work together. They care about their family, right? Outside, the outside circle, the inside circle. They care about colleagues. Because how many times these communications are made and then you hear, and by the way, we have to reduce our workforce by 10%. Yep. And of course, <laughs> you know, people trust the last message, not the first. And, and this is why I loved that you just say behaviors or you use behaviors, because when you think about it, that is the how, right? Like how you communicate is nothing but your behavior. And sure. it, it, it can be as simple as that, but it's also as complicated as that because with all the right intents and all the right, um, you know, like what you would consider the right mindset sometimes going into this, you'll still see, see struggles because of how we actually communicate, how we come across as, as lead, leaders of change. I'll give you an image. Uh, you, you reminded me about a case uh, this is a company that went bankrupt, one of the largest Canadian companies in telecom. Uh, and uh, we had a very dictator-like executive. Mm -hmm. And uh, was a big inauguration. They brought us by buses to a big place. And the, there are these two presidents, the president of R&D and the president of the company. And they have to cut a, 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 a cake. And the president of R&D holds a really large knife. And he tells the president of the company, I'm not going to give you the knife because you're going to cut. What do you think was the message? Well, the company went bankrupt, so we know what the message was. The company was going the wrong way. 
This is in the front of, you know, major employee meeting. Hmm. Wow. I, I want to, I want to have time to talk a little bit about industry 4.0 to 5.0 or, or just this sure. transition, because I, I find that very interesting. Can you, I know you already gave a bit of a primer to it in the beginning, but can you talk about what is um, industry four and five and like kind of Give us sure. a primer on that, please. Um, we, we tend again to talk about industries in terms of technologies, but each technology brings a major, major social change and the environmental change. I would, I would uh, think that we're destroying much more rapidly the environment today uh, as the industries are growing, although there are supposedly cleaner. We use electricity, not steam from the steam engines in industry 2.0, for instance. But industry 5.0 uh, has two elements. And the element, the intent of industry 5.0, of the, the, the advocate, the father of industry 5.0, it's a wasteless, um, human-centric uh, enterprise. There is a human-centric part, but it's also the, the fact that we design and we manufacture for waste. So if we start to think, again, if we made our, make our people as executives to think how to design without waste, um, it will be a, a cleaner and much faster environment. Mm -hmm. This idea had been picked up by the European community, the EC, which is now issuing a, a number of policies. And as any good idea gets a little bit transformed by policies in, in implementations and so on, regulations, uh, but there is an Industry 5.0 effort inside the European community uh, to to address the issues of sustainability and resilience. And it's human-centric. This industry is no longer about using computers or using machines. It's about using, uh, asking humans to behave in a certain way collectively when they design, when they manufacture, when they transport, when they distribute, when they sell, when they use. I'm so drawn to this, uh, this 5.0, because, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, our entire mission with Love as a Business Strategy is to bring humanity back to the workplace. And it's, it's almost this direct um, space that connects because the workplace hasn't been nothing more than how the industries have evolved along with it, right? The workplace has, it is the industry. And so to see that, as technology, you would think that each iteration would just be more and more technology, more and more aggressive, more and more greed. It is so refreshing to see that the next evolution is trying to bring it back, if you will, or bring it, you know, into the space that tries to to correct um, kind of the wrongs of where the misguided kind of path that we've been on. And so I find that really, really, really exciting. I think, uh, Jeff, you're absolutely right. And I think uh, 
people have different views of how far we push or we can still push the environment. We face a big transition because um, uh, all the new energy renewables and so on, for instance, uh, will, uh, will require uh, the humans to take a deep understanding of why it has to happen. It is about the future. Is the future of the future generations? Is the is the generations of our children and grandchildren? Uh, and it's an effort that very few people uh, will accept without a deep understanding of why it needs to happen. Yes. And yes, it has to start with the enterprise because, uh, especially in industrial societies, which it's uh, a large portion, large part now of the, the the world, and by industrial I, I include also agriculture because agriculture becomes more industrial. So if you look at the economics, the the people have to take control back from the technology mm-hmm. and have to have a deeper understanding how to use it not only to measure on on a profit line and again i i have to stress this is not a discussion about uh companies not being profitable it's a discussion about including the human factor including the uh sustainability the resilience into the profitability equation i'll give you an example about 5.0 because that was a discussion i had with uh um, who, is, who is the uh, inventor of this 5.0 wasteless? Uh, our equations, our economic equations, profit and loss, uh, profitability, and so on, have two factors the cost of resources, humans and, and materials, and uh, the, the uh, value of the sale, what, what we end up with sales. But if you start to subtract the waste, if you have to add the waste, you subtract the waste from the inputs in this equation, you end up with a better profitability because people think better. People will feel better about it. It's not about cutting you know, the, uh, our meals in half and eat less or, or you know, watching less movies. It's about thinking in a different paradigm. That makes a lot of sense. I love that. Um, we're we're coming up to the end here, so I want to make sure that I leave the audience also with kind of a "What should we do?" <laughs> um, you know, kind of like if if we hear this, um, I, I'm hearing that you know, one of my missions with every episode here is to get people to look at work in the world and themselves differently, right? Change a mindset or two um, with each episode. Hopefully someone listening can have an aha moment and and shift their mindset uh, around how they view work, how they view their colleagues or how they view business. Um, and so I, I wanna just open up that space for you to help share the audience. What, what can we change in their minds today or what should they do about it? Um... I would go and talk about two things, the individual mind and the collective mind. And clearly uh, executives have a role model in the collective mind. So changing the collective mind cannot come 
okay, it can come from some individuals inside uh, a group, but it has to be sanctioned, it has to be motivated, it has to be uh, approved, if you want, by the top, because we are still in an hierarchical society, regardless how flat we think it is. Now, the individual mind is really uh, education. Uh, it's understanding that in a modern society, we cannot stop uh, with a degree or before a degree and never go back to learn. I, I didn't say school, I, I said learn. Learning curiosity has to be part of our mindset. If we want to discover how we can uh, balance this, this uh, sustainability model that I mentioned before, which is profitability, uh, which is related to the welfare of people, uh, with uh, also social and uh, uh, environmental responsibilities. And I think we can do it. We, we're very good at solving problems. Now, as I started, I'm an engineer. So engineers, you give them a problem, they will eventually solve it. Mm -hmm. So the solution is not in one place. It's in the leadership and it is in the people. You cannot have only half and, and hope that transformation will happen. I agree 100%. Manuel, thank you so much for your insights today and sharing kind of this really important conversation and really in, insightful look into um, sustainability in the industry. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Jeff, uh, appreciate it and uh, uh, hope we'll uh, meet again soon. Absolutely. And to our listeners, thank you so much for loyally listening along. Um, as you know, we release every, uh, every week new episodes. And um, if you have not already, of course, please check out our book, Love as a Business Strategy. And with that, uh, thank you, Manuel, and thank you to everybody. We'll see you all next time.